Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to The Price of Music, the show that looks at the money behind the music industry with me, Steve Lamack, and Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge. Uh, Stuart, how are you? I'm good, Steve. How are you doing? This is going to be interesting. This is a special edition uh, of the podcast where we're returning to a story which broke actually just in time for our first pod, uh, which, Stuart, it was this, it's the, what a damning report into misogyny in music. It was, yeah. It was a report from the, the Parliamentary uh, Women and Equalities Committee, and it said, yeah, music industry, the boys' club, harassment, discrimination, all the, the issues that women face in the industry, and it basically laid them all out and made a bunch of recommendations for how they can be fixed. To find out more about this, uh, about the report and its conclusions, we spoke to Nadia Khan, founder and chief executive of Women in Control, a non-profit music development organisation, on a mission to advance gender equality in music. Uh, Nadia was also one of the people who gave evidence to the Women and Equalities Committee. Nadia, thank you for making some time to talk to us. Uh, we should probably start just by attempting to summarise your own career in the music industry and some of the things that you've done and some of the artists you've worked with along the way. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really excited to be chatting with you. So I've been working in the music industry over 20 years and uh, started out in music PR, moved into music management. I still manage my first ever client that I picked up for music management, Lethal Bizzle. So I started managing him actually 20 years this year because I came on board when his record Pal was released in t- uh, 2004. So this year we're celebrating the 20 year anniversary of me working with him, but also um, of uh, his record Pal coming out, which is exciting as well, but is terrifying when you realize that you've been working together so long. <laughs> Where's the time gone? Um, so yeah, it's been really interesting to look back and, on on the stuff that I've done there. Um, and then um, I run a music and consultancy company called Control Music. And through that, I work with various other artists and, and organizations. Really, I've followed my passions through the industry. So I'm really interested in finding talent at the grassroots level, working with them, developing, kind of looking at independent and innovative business models. I've got a female rapper and producer I look after called Laughter, who's Arab um, descent. So we're doing some really interesting stuff with her internationally. My work's um, gone into doing a lot of um, work with organizations, looking at how they can um, work in kind of making more inclusive practices within their organizations. And I'm also the founder of Women in Control, which is a a movement I set up around um, seven or eight years ago now, just really trying to just challenge the status quo that I saw in the industry, definitely through my own experiences. And then when I found the courage to speak out about things, finding out that this was very much a shared experience with so many other women and people from other under underrepresented groups across the industry as well. So I've been on that journey for the last seven or eight years, which has been really interesting. 
So just before we drill into the findings of this report that came out a couple of weeks ago, can we just sketch a picture of the landscape that it arrives into? Uh, where, where, do you, where do you think we stand then in terms of gender equality or inequality uh, in the music industry in 2024? Yeah, that's such a big question, I think, because the, the, the industry is so, it's so vast and the scope is, is wide and I think that the music industry has been on a real unique journey um, over the last few years, particularly one where it started to look at itself, where it started to acknowledge that maybe there's an issue, because I think for many years it was very much dismissed as this is just moaning or annoying we don't have a problem um and it was just very fast paced um so i think in in 2020 and a, a lot of the things that happened including lockdown um gave the industry um forced the industry if you like uh, a chance to actually stop and have a look at itself um there are many people like myself in the industry who have felt that something wasn't quite right um but that feeling is really hard to, to quantify. It's really hard to get people to take seriously. So um, I, I think that looking at some of the data that we've uncovered and that uh, myself, Women in Control and other organizations have published really helps tell a better picture of the, the landscape. I can also speak from my own experiences. You know, I started Women in Control. I mentioned I've been music manager, you know, coming up to, to, to over 20 years now in the industry. And I started Women in Control because of my own personal lived experiences where I was looking after successful artists. I was having a successful career, um, doing well in the industry. But I was my daily experiences in the industry were, were marred by going on stage at a festival, being thrown off that festival stage while my artist is performing or not being allowed in backstage or being backstage and just being completely dismissed or ignored. And it was just this repetitive cycle of experiences that one, I just had to accept as my norm. I just had to accept that this is just something I'm going to go through and it's my business. Who do I go to to complain to about this? I can't and I have to represent my client's interests. So I think definitely my own experiences gave me a picture of, you know, there's something not quite right in the industry. Um, I think, you know, uh, looking at the, the data that's out there as well. Um, Vic Bain did an incredible report counting the music industry where she looked at the makeup of record label rosters in 2019 and music publishers and found that there were only 19% of women artists signed to record labels, only 14% signed to music publishers. Um, we did a report um, called Seat at the Table, Women in Control in 2020, where again, we looked at the uh, focus of, of representation of women in the industry, because we have this feeling that we don't see many women around. So in the first report, when we published in 2020, we looked at where were women in the boardroom. And across all of the organizations, there was only around 30% of women sitting on board seats across organizations. But in some organizations, that meant only one woman out of 16 board seats or three women out of 25. So this data really helped us to say, hold on, this is not just a feeling where no matter what area of the industry you look into, I think Roster did uh, another study on music managers and found that 27% of rosters of, on management companies globally were made up of uh, women artists as well. Um, so whatever area of the industry you, you have the data for, you start to see this picture that women are represented less or you're looking at around this 20% figure, again, with PRS for Music. 
um, amongst their um, 160,000 members, you have the same figure where you have around 20, under 20%, again, um, female, um, according to their categories in their membership. So I think that gives a picture that we've definitely got this, this problem with the lack of representation. Um, but obviously, this, this uh, study was also looking into misogyny. And I think there's, there is a there, there is a misogynistic standard and systemic issues within the industry that are real barriers for us starting to implement change and, and progress in the industry. So, you know, I realize I've spoken for ages and said a lot, a lot of data, but um, yeah, maybe we can dissect, dissect that a little bit more with some of the, the findings. Talking of uh, talking of data, uh, and I don't know if there are any stats around this or anecdotal evidence. But given that we're about uh, we're all about the money in the business, is there is there much disparity? Is there, for for example, is there a noticeable pay gap between men and women uh, in various sectors of the industry? Whether that's I don't know working in record labels or fees for artists at uh, big gigs or festivals or when they go on tour, um, has is does anything? Is there anything to back that up? Uh, yes, there, there is some data. Um, I think we need more data. And I think that's also one of the recommendations coming out of this inquiry and, and this report and something that Women in Control have been um, campaigning towards um, with some recommendations to the industry as well as other organisations, including UK Music. Um, we've been tracking the, the gender pay gap data that does exist over the last three years. Uh, currently, organizations over 250 employees have to um, report their gender pay gap stats. Um, I think the committee report recommendations is that um, organizations over 100, but um, our recommendation is that organizations over the size of 50 should do their report. And um, we actually work with a lot of organizations in the industry that are, are smaller. As we know, the industry is made up of a lot of freelancers, smaller or smaller sized organizations. And we've also been working with them to help them be able to report their data and do that analysis as well. But for the data that we do have, um, we're seeing that it's progressively getting worse in the music industry, which is really frustrating when you're you're finding that you feel like, like I said, in 2020, that there was a shift in the music industry. It did feel like conversations were happening or not even happening. Conversations were were welcome for a change. It just felt like there was a big shift in that in that respect. And to have all these conversations um, started to open up and then to have all these commitments from companies about, you know, their commitments towards diversity and progress and change. And then to see that gender pay gap progressively get worse uh, is really disheartening. So I think we need to have more data. Um, we know that a, a women tend to leave the music industry as they get older, especially over the age of 35. So we're trying to uncover what are the reasons and the, the barriers and what are the reasons behind that. And I, I firmly believe that a large part of that is because of this gender pay gap, because again, through my own direct experience by managing uh, women artists and taking them to be booked for branding deals or um, trying to get them live show opportunities, the fees are offered lower. It's kind of like that you should be happy that you're getting this offer um, and we'll, we'll put you on. And, and particularly when I first started working with female artists, I was immediately told, well, we've already got a woman on the lineup. We don't need another one. Well, we've already, we've got 10 men or nine men and we just need one woman to make up our brand lineup. And I was told that repeatedly. And I was also told that women artists don't test well on DSPs. They don't test well on, on radio. Um, I've done some reports and, and looking into 
the radio play and support of women artists as well and, and when they get played on radio and how and how that impacts their audience. So I think generally there there is a gender pay gap issue. We need more data on it. Um, I think there are some simple steps that the organization can take to um to to close the gender pay gap. And there are also things that um, allies and advocates in the industry or gatekeepers in the industry can 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 change. So I think we need more salary transparency. Um, I think we just need to stand up for each other a little bit more and support each other to make sure that people aren't getting taken advantage of because unfortunately this music industry has a kind of mentality or or, or and still has that you're lucky to be a part of it. You're, you should be grateful for all the opportunities. You should be grateful to get that guest list and go to that event and go to that party and the festivals. Um, but And this is just something that you have to take alongside with that. And, and it's unhealthy. And we're seeing the implications and, and the repercussions now of how the impact that it's having on, on people that are having to leave the industry because of that. And is this, would you say it's right across the board or are there particular parts of the music industry where women are noticeably underrepresented or it's harder to build a career or hope for a promotion or just to to get on in the business? Um, definitely. So I would say for women creatives, I would say that it's, it's there's harder in the studio experiences uh, for uh, either just going into the studio as a recording artist and having not having that knowledge about the the technology or just being treated in a different way with unwanted sexual advances in the studio that also is a similar thing with with live uh, the experiences in the live industry as well whether again that's backstage or lack of opportunities or again um, sexual harassment and unwanted advances in in those spaces and then I think for women working as executives in the industry we have a lack of representation at the top level so we see that there's a, a lack of representation of women in in, uh, in senior levels so again with the seat at the table report we looked at the number of women CEOs and the number of women chairs across the UK music trade bodies um, when we first published the the report in 2020, there were only two women CEOs and there was no women chairs across the UK music trade bodies and the organisations that we included. Um, so we can see that the, I think this lack of representation is, is a real issue and, and feeds into um, a lot of the issues. So I think it's that leadership level and just the lack of opportunities um, really across the board because it, it it's a, it, the music industry is an ecosystem. So everything feeds into another. It, it's like if you speak to radio and say, hey, you know, why are you not playing more women artists? And they say, well, we don't get sent much artists. And then if you look at that pipeline and then you go to the data that's there about record labels, you're like, okay, there is there is only 19% signed to women signed to record labels. So why is that happening? Is it, the, is it due to the managers? Is it the, the, the business? Is it due to the lack of opportunity? So it's really, I think we've, we've done this base level of, of starting to make progress and change where we've actually acknowledged... And we have a quite a fair amount of data now to, to back up where we see the challenges. And it's really just now about thinking about tangible solutions for the future. One of the things that's been on our minds a lot recently, I think it was, was it a couple of days before your report came out, the, the parliamentary inquiry report on misogyny in music came out? It was the same week, wasn't it? And I feel like that was really, it didn't, it won't have surprised a lot of people because we had the evidence sessions and we heard you talking about, about this but the report came out and it was very clear, like this is these are the problems. It's limitations, opportunity, a lack of support, discrimination, sexual harassment, unequal pay. And it, it kind of laid everything out. 
but how did that feel for you? I mean, did you did you feel was it good to see the kind of this stuff that people have experienced and you've been talking about for a long time set down in the parliamentary record and kind of with people backing it and saying, right, this needs to change? I think it was incredible. I think it was so validating. Um, you know, over the years. I've still been going on about women in control and the issues. And I have people telling me, are you still going on about that? And I'm like, yes, I'm still going on about this. And it's really hard to keep people's attention and keep people talking about the conversation. I think, you know, I was so grateful for this inquiry and so grateful to be asked to come and have a seat at that table and and share my experiences and also on behalf of of women in control and, and our members. Um, because we all just felt validated. I remember being with all the women that were there, you know, with, with Vic Bain and, and Cactus City, and we were talking and just saying, we just love the experience of, of somebody wanting to listen to us because we're just normally trying to knock down doors going, hey, can we get some time? So I think the, the report, the findings are really validating and really just for me, just cements that acknowledgement to say, we do have a problem and we need to now tackle this and, and fix this. And And for me, it's not always, it's not about, pointing fingers it's about working together collaboratively and trying to find solutions for change was it in any way was it more was it more damning in a way than you than you might have expected no not at all I think maybe less damning in in a way I think um I just I was just so happy with with you you just you, you go along with faith with people saying they're going to help or people saying that they're looking into something and I think it could have been definitely a lot weaker and um they could have come out and and not made this strong statement so I feel like the the statements they made are very accurate I think that they spoke to a really good uh, cross-section across the industry and collected and collated evidence and sometimes there's a concern I guess when an outside party comes into the music industry to say are you going to be able to capture this but I think they really captured the true essence of the issues um, because they really spoke to the people so it really felt that again it just felt really validating that they're they're speaking about the issues that we've been harping on about and we feel that it's a struggle to get listened to you know we have little news pockets throughout the the year where um, where they were talking about the Brits gender categories and then where it starts to rise up again and we get a little thing you know sometimes when the gender pay gap stats are uh published we can get a little talk going on there but it's really difficult to keep the traction and the conversation going Mm. there was one particular line which uh, i noticed which i thought was very telling in the report which was about i think it said there's this problem with the dated perception of what music industry figures look like which obviously immediately uh, put an image in my head of a slightly rotund uh, middle-aged man with a fat cigar as the the band's manager. Does that mean? But that's and, and but that is but that that was pointed out as a problem. Which then begs the question: Will that change over time, though, as some of the some of the current generation move onwards and out and out of the industry? So, is if we educate well? Will do you think things will change generation by generation? Uh, yeah, definitely. I hope so. I mean, um, you know, I've often called it, and we've we've done this in a lot of our campaigning. Uh, just spoken about the music industry as an old boys club, and that's definitely how it felt through my experience of being a young woman entering the industry, 
trying to get my foot in the door coming from a low socioeconomic background I had to work for six months for free um, before I could even get my first really low paid job and then step in the door and um, you know I was in a really male-dominated job role and really male-dominated genre I didn't know any other women managers around me and I didn't get support from anybody I had to really do this myself and build my own my own business so I think that um, you know moving forward I think that there is progress happening in the industry. So we've published another report edition of Seat at the Table in 2024. And because we have that data from 2020, we're able to use that as a benchmark to say, well, let's see what has changed in the industry, if anything. And it was quite historic, but also it was it was quite interesting and because we dropped the report the same week the the misogyny and music um committee report was published as well but our report showed that we'd achieved an historic monumental moment in the music industry where for the first time we'd achieved over 50 percent representation of women in the boardrooms collectively across the uk music trade bodies so i feel that you know that report when I was putting all the data together, it genuinely made me happy and it genuinely made me smile because it felt that, again, things are changing. Companies and organizations and people do care and they do want to be a part of change. So again, to answer your question, I feel like because we're seeing and slowly seeing the the makeup of the leadership of the music industry starting to change, I feel that the, those implications and um and the benefits from that will be reaped by the the newer generations coming through. A big part of our recommendations around our work now is around succession planning and, you know, involving people that have that knowledge and experience and bringing that new generation in and giving them opportunities to to rise up. So um, I think it's a it, there, there are things that are positive and positive stories to tell in the industry as well. But it's going to take time and it's going to take that collective commitment. It's not just a matter of, oh, we've, we've hit 50% now, work is done. I think that's just the beginning because it can all slip backwards all too easily. And we've had to fight so hard to even get that 50% representation. And that's just on the UK music trade body boards. That's not the wider music industry where some organizations and some sectors are extremely poor. Like I've got, um, you know, people are telling me to, to look into the live industry. You must do a report here. You must come and do a report here because people know that there's there's real stark experiences and, and representation happening in other areas as well. So while there's some positive progress, um, there's been a lot of dedicated work behind that that's driven that. I was going to say, actually, um, one of the things from the Misogyny and Music report, I think, was there were some recommendations that were for the government to do, but there were quite a few recommendations for the music industry to do as well. I think it was from licensing recorded studios and accreditation. Does, does the fact that the, the leadership of the industry bodies is now much more equitable, is that going to help, I suppose, put those changes in place? So some of the things the MPs thought should happen, does it then help that to actually be put into practice because the leadership is kind of shifting? Yes, I mean, we would hope so. I mean, we don't, I don't, I don't like to generalize people or genders or, or anybody. I don't think all women are brilliant and all men are bad. It's not about that. It's definitely misogyny is about misogynistic values and, and also the system that has been built because the, you know, the music industry is a system that has been built and infrastructures that have been in place for over a hundred years. And some of the organizations or institutions that you're trying to go in and, and, and put change into is really challenging because of their governance restrictions or, or 
that this is the status quo and you're trying to challenge things that have, have been the same way for, for many years. But I'm a firm believer in that if we have the right representation around the table, that that will start to filter out change because otherwise we're just playing a, a losing game. There's no point in, in driving forward with, with change. So I think that you know, having that representative view is just going to change and, and bring that diversity of thought into those decision-making processes. One thing that I really wanted to do in the Seat of the Table 2024 report was also champion organizations and people that have done great work. So um, we did the report in association with BPI. And again, you've seen a vast change there. I've had a completely different experience with, with, that as an, with them as an organization from publishing the first report and looking at their leadership now, looking at the makeup of their team and looking at also how the changes that they've made and implemented within the Brit Awards, taking on that criticism, taking on the challenges and saying, well, what can we do? What res- what's our responsibility and what's within our power to change? Is it eligibility criteria? Is it um, the number of candidates in, in, in nominations? So they've done some great work around that. And that's something that I think we should share and, and, and champion. So I think it's it's definitely having the right people, but as a generalised uh, view I think it's having the the, there's you know another area that we expanded the report in is is highlighting male advocates again it's not just about just women it's about there's just incredible male allies across the industry without whose support we wouldn't be able to progress make make a lot of this progress and change Um, and I think that that was another recommendation that came from the report as well Um, the really strong quote about just saying that you know the this the, the industry is not going to change unless we get men on board to support. It was really important for us to really highlight um, male advocates that have supported us along the journey because without us collectively doing it, we're not going to affect change. That came out of the, the parliamentary report as well. There was, I think there was this bit of it that said like this idea of discrimination, harassment, misogyny are seen as kind of women's issues and that they have to understand them and talk about and deal with them. And I think it was saying that educating boys and men on misogyny and consent and respect and support, uh, that's going to be a really big change. And that that felt, reading that felt encouraging. That's that's an exciting thing. But also it feels like quite a daunting, vast thing because that's a society issue as well as a music industry issue, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, it is a societal issue. I think I said that when um, in the oral inquiry as well, because you know, we're, we, if we look at the general population, I think women are 51% of the population, but we're not seeing that representation across sectors of the industry. But then we're also, I feel like we're having a conversation a lot of times about women as if we're a niche specialist genre of music saying, hey, can we get some women in here? You know, like it's just some like obscure genre of music that we're trying to get more representation for. But the reality is that there should be equal representation and it's um, and w- women deserve that, that equal opportunity opportunity to have that that seat at the table and a big part about it is education and awareness but I think a big part about it is that collective action to stamp out any wrong behavior because the industry has a history of ignoring that behavior or not having anywhere to go when you have these toxic uh, workplace environments or, or experiences and just having to take that on as part of the job so I think for the, new, for the next generation, I feel like we're seeing that newer generation coming through and having 
higher standards which of of how they should be treated and how they expect to be treated their their workplace environment so i think that there's better awareness out there but 100% i think there just needs to be a lot of education for for all of us to to just figure out how can we be more inclusive of others and 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 considerate and just make the industry a better place to work in because it can feel like management is a really lonely career but it, it's felt for me at times so lonely and so degrading and and I'm having a, it's and then this at the same time I'm having a really successful career because I'm doing really well and we're in the charts but those have been some of the worst experiences of my career so it's just can we make it a bit more of a pleasant place for for people to work in and have a better support system for people as well I mean the um, the report, by the way, which is uh, available to read online um, if you want to find out more about it, because it brings up. I think one of the great things about the report was just how much it made you think about things that you possibly weren't aware of. Even someone you know works in uh, in music uh, in the music media, I hadn't really considered. And um, Stuart, I think, reported uh, on this the fact, and you alluded to it earlier that streaming services testing uh, records by women artists and if they don't test well they don't get played and if they don't get played then then it screws the algorithm so it means that less female artists get played uh, and it's, I hadn't really thought about that but it's as you say it's all interlinked isn't it and if one bit goes wrong then there's this domino effect yeah completely Ex- exactly that um, and that's the exact conversations that I've had with platforms behind the scenes, which is said, you know, and, and it's more prevalent in specific genres. So if I've worked, I work predominantly or my experience has been a lot in rap music and black music. And particularly if you look at women rappers, I think it's the same for rock and metal and also country music as well. Um, if you look at specific genre playlists, that you sometimes you'll be hard placed to find a woman artist within those. And like you said, if, if, if women artist is programmed in, the consumer is not used to hearing that vocal within that audio or within that playlist. So it might get skipped. If it does get skipped, then it moves down the, the algorithm and the algorithm says, this is not successful. This is not something that works on our platform. So that's why we do need that that human intervention as well. Because again, with radio, I've, I've heard exactly the same argument. I think people are becoming more open to the that unconscious bias as well that's, that's in us. Um, to, that we all have that, that is present in all of us, where we're making decisions just based on 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 business or or what we've been told before, and just actually trying to look at things with a whole picture and seeing where we can actually be more inclusive and um, be more mindful of um, being part of that that positive change. And um, because the, we published a report looking at um, experiences of women in in radio as well and again it's just that sparking that awareness in people just led to a positive change in them saying I'm really conscious now with what I'm programming and who I'm programming because we have that conscious choice but if you're at work and you don't understand the impact of your decisions and the power that we all hold in our own hands I feel like we all have some decision making power ourselves where if I get a booking I have a I have in my head, my artist is headlining, for example, I might have some sway to say, hey, who else are you programming and make sure that they're paid fairly. So just trying to do our bit within the industry, just to to look out for others and just make a a positive stand for uh, a better industry. 
And do you, do you think then, uh, for the back of the report, and you were saying, you know, you get little windows where um, the story is being covered, but do you, can you take some of this momentum, you think, particularly with your own organisation, Women in Control, and, and do more? And does this give you more ammunition to work with going forward? I think so. I think that that's I've definitely seen a change in that. I was really grateful for the recommendations within the report around um, supporting more organizations, grassroots organizations like Women in Control, like the F List, like Girls I Rate, um, that, that are doing this work and have been doing this work for many years and um, are part of this part of this change. But I feel that it does give us a, a big drive for action. And I'm definitely all about working collaboratively and trying to find these solutions. And there's just, there's, there's a more, there's a, a more, I, I would say just open mentality from the industry and organizations to want to be a part of this rather than a defensive one um, approach from a lot. So um, yeah, I'm really grateful and excited for, for these opportunities, because again, I think that, this um, committee, this inquiry has really dr been a driving force in that and keeping the conversation going, putting it high on these boardroom agendas. So it's not something that's just going to go away um, because we have felt over many years that we've been just been tried to just go away now. Are you done? You've had your moment. Just say what you've said and, and that's fine. But that's it now. So we are very grateful for the opportunity to keep driving the conversation forward and keep tracking it. You know, this data is so valuable. I just can't stress how much it just it was so important for us to be able to have that three years of data to look back on when we did the 2024 and, and see what have we done that has made an impact? Um, where has, have, have we made work that, that has, has actually Im impacted on change? And that's really useful as well because you know we're only asking people to make that commitment to change and to share ideas of what's worked for you and and let's collectively just try and improve things and it, it can be really simple small things that you can do just to make your organization more inclusive um that will make a big difference for the future mm. and it's almost as if a su success breeds more success doesn't it when someone when, when you when you achieve something it then leads to something else that's how the you know that's how we begin to go forward yeah and it's not a charity case we're not asking for you know organizations to say oh consider women as, as a goodwill gesture you know it's proven there's research that shows that having diversity within your organizations is is better for business and obviously if you think about it um having that representation of, of views if you're not having the, the representative views around the table, making those decisions. And how are you catering for that audience or that subset of, of the community or that industry? So it helps you be a better organization. It helps you um, with profitability. And it, it also helps with bringing innovative ideas, diversity of thought to the table. So there's evidence that's, that's shown that companies that have more gender diversity are over 25% more profitable. So um, the evidence backs that up as well. Well, listen, it's been, it's been fascinating talking to you. Well, we, we, we're, we're going to have to check back in in a year's time and see where we are, won't we? See, see how much progress everyone's made. Maybe we should do that. But thank you so much for giving up your time. Um, it's, it's been great. Thank you, Nadia. Thank you so much. It was a great conversation. I could just go on for, for hours about data <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> <all in my> head. <laughs> you and Stuart both. 
That was Nadia Khan talking to Stuart and I uh, about a range of topics emerging from uh, the Women and Equalities Committee report about misogyny in music. There's quite a lot to take away from that, Stuart, I think. There is, yeah. I think the really encouraging thing is that this feels like a big moment in terms of there were these two reports released in the same week that that kind of really got this got the headlines and got people talking about this again. But when you talk to someone like Nadia, you realise how much hard work has gone in over the last few years into kind of talking about the issues and doing that research. And she was talking about how important the research is to be able to say this is this percentage, this issue. Um, so it's really been a long road but it feels like there's progress. And I think hearing a talk about the progress being made at industry board level, you just get a sense of, yeah, there are lots of problems, but there's really good people in the industry who are kind of trying to figure out how to solve them. And what I hope happens next is, like the, the parliamentary report recommended, is that those organisations like Women in Control, like the F-List, which manage Girls Are Eight, that they do get more support. So it feels like the, there are people who know how to fix this. So the case now is just to kind of give them the resources, the support, the kind of space they need. So yeah, I, I, in a way, it was a really, a really sledgehammer report. It really didn't mince its words about what the problems are, but I feel there's a lot of encouragement in there of of, of how we can fix this. So yeah, that's one my big takeaway. Yeah, well, thank, thanks again to uh, Nadia. And thank you for listening. If you have enjoyed it, uh, please do subscribe to the show in your podcast app and give us a review and a rating if you get a chance. We'd really appreciate it. And if you have any topics that you think might be interesting for us to cover or questions about the money in the music biz, which you'd like answered on the show, uh, email us the price of music podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again, everybody. Say goodbye, Stuart. Goodbye. <laughs>